Doxology is the study of God and it's very important. Doxology is an expression of praise to God. So the point here is that all theology should ultimately lead to doxology, to doxology, to doxology. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Jay Will, and you're now listening to another episode of Theology on the Block, where we dis- discuss Christian theology from an urban perspective. And we got another great show lined up for you. I'm so excited to have you back with us. Last time we talked about the need for seminaries. Do we need it? Do we really need it? I don't know. But mm. this time, we get to have a great discussion on kind of just uh, hopefully give you some equipping to do some things. But again, before I dive into, we dive into our show, I gotta introduce my host, my co-host, my wonderful co-host. Again, I have the lovely, the, oh, the world-renowned, okay. urban apologist extraordinaire. They be flying her out to conferences. Flewed she out. spoke. Flewed out. She was teaching <laughs> apologetics in Africa, y'all. Nigeria, to be yeah. exact, if I'm no, not mistaken. It was Kenya, but thank you. Yeah. Kenya. Wakanda forever. Kenya, yeah. Wakanda. Ooh, ooh. Hey, so excited to have her back with us again. She be flying out. She be, she 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 got she got it like that. So yeah, she be flying yeah. here Frequent to do the show and then fly sure. back yeah, yeah. to her miles. home city or country. <laughs> Yeah. She be gone everywhere. The one, the only. Y'all know her. Miss Titus too. Well, good evening. Hey. Thank, you, thank you very much, Bishop, for that wonderful intro. Come I on appreciate now. it every single time. I'm, I'm, uh, every time she come ahead, get just a little bigger. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm glad you appreciate it because I don't know how I feel about it. As we talk about heads getting just a little bigger, we also have <laughs> the one and only scholar. The penmanship game is so strong. The blogger, podcast extraordinaire at Marriage at Gogotha. Marriage at Gogotha. Okay, I'm, thank you for the, the plug. one we and only. The, the 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 theologian himself, the good reverend. Hey. <laughs> When it walks in the room, everybody bows because nope. they got us. They got it. They feel the reverence of the Lord nope. all is, around. That is, nope. I rebuke that. <laughs> <laughs> no kiss, ring kissing here. Hey, hey, some people call him father. The one and only. <laughs> Even though Jesus said not to. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. Bishop elect Wayne Penn Jr. How you doing, brother? I'm okay. I, I I I'm exhausted. That that intro was so long. Hey, I, man. I'm gonna get. I wish I had an organ. <laughs> put you, I put you in B flat. <laughs> you need Jesus, man. <laughs> uh, oh man, look, we are back having a great discussion. Um, all things theology, and hopefully from an earth perspective. Um, and this podcast is brought to you by City of Refuge Church. City of Refuge is a, a church plant in the Eau Claire community of Columbia, South Carolina, that is calling, connecting, commissioning all to Jesus, his greater family, and the mission of the kingdom of God. A to the man. A to the man. We would love to have you on a Sunday. All right. So today we get to dive into another conversation. Last time we got to talk about seminary and the need for higher education. But I think today is a good time just to get into some practical applications. Yes. On something as simple as a lot of people be like, 
where do I start when I read my Bible? Hmm. So I just want to start off the conversation. How do we read and study our Bible and how can we equip those who are listening to be better Bible connoisseurs? <laughs> connoisseur. A connoisseur of the word. Yeah. Um, this is a broad question. I think that one of the first things that you could probably tell somebody who's maybe new to reading the Bible or perhaps is just kind of more or less falling into a rut somewhat. Because, you know, people that have been reading the Bible for a little while can kind of relate to that. You know, you get to a point where it's like, I don't know what to read next or, you know, this and that. Um, I think it's always safe to start in the Gospels. Yes. That's just me personally. I mean, you know, the Bible, after all, more or less points to Jesus fully, you know, in, in its entirety. So, you know, start with Jesus and it doesn't necessarily matter which gospel you start off with, though personally, I kind of would recommend Mark to start off just because um, Mark kind of gives you, in my opinion, the best of both worlds when it comes to Matthew and Luke. It's it's not as it's not as detailed as Luke, and it offers a perspective that's not so Jewish mm. in a sense. Like the audience that Mark is, the Gospel Mark is written to is more or less kind of a Roman audience in a lot of ways. So uh, it's maybe a little more palatable for us Gentiles. I would start there and don't feel pressured either to just you know rush read. I, mm-hmm. Me personally, like me and me and Jay will kind of have this running joke with each other. And I'd learned today that maybe I've pegged him wrong because I thought that he just speed reads all the time. Nope. But apparently he's a slow reader. I am. Audiobooks yeah. is a lifesaver. Yeah. And see, that's where <laughs> him and I differ, uh, <laughs> you know, because I, I can't do audiobooks. I listen to podcasts all the time and I can't do audiobooks. But take your time. It, it, it's not you don't have to necessarily go at a pace that's like frenetic. Like, you know, like with me personally, I can get stuck in like one or two verses you know, for the entirety of my time that I'm reading it. And I'm just like, okay, I'm reflecting on it. I'm taking my time with the words. And I'm, I'm if, if you if you have difficulty understanding certain parts of it, like what does the location have to do with how this text comes across? Get a good study Bible. Mm. Um, get a study Bible. There's plenty out there that, you know, are not so over your head that you get lost. Ty. Yes. As somebody who has read the Bible... Uh, like 400 times by the time she was 10. <laughs> she said she got saved at, t- at seven now. She she said she wrote, read the whole Bible four or five times before she was 10. Huh. Uh, before high school. maybe No, probably before college. I oh, had read excuse it, me. Before I, I had, yeah. Excuse me. So you've read the Bible more than some preachers. Um. Anyway. Ooh, uh, <laughs> no shame. No shame. No shame. Yeah. Uh, how would you explain to someone who's just approaching the Bible for the first time, how to study or read the Bible? Well, I'm not going to say that the way I do it, you know, is going to work for everyone. Um, But I grew up in a church where they encouraged us to read it from cover to cover. Hmm. And that's why I read it from cover to cover. And there's just something very special about those Old Testament storybooks, you know, Psalms are beautiful. That Psalms is the encouragement. Proverbs gives you the wisdom. Mm-hmm. But I fell in love with the Bible because all of the ratchet stuff. <laughs> it's so ratchet. It was the ratchet. book of Judges. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, people are killing each other oh, facts, and man. sleeping around. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, God yeah. is like giving instantaneous judgment and yeah. there's idols and all kind of supernatural. I'm like, how are people saying this book or these books are boring? Are boring. Right. It's crazy. The stuff I read in school is boring. This stuff is scandals. I can't even facts. talk to my mama and daddy about some of the stuff I'm reading about. <laughs> <laughs> so. So I, I started there and I was just like, man, these books are awesome. And then by the time you get into the Gospels and the New Testament, you see like, this is why. Mm-hmm. This is why God said all this stuff in the Old Testament. You see how it ended up for those people and how they just kept following the same stuff over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Yeah. This is why you need a savior. This is why you need somebody who's in the order of Melchizedek, right? Mm-hmm. You need one sacrifice. So I was like, okay. So reading the Bible from cover to cover was a huge help to me because you get to see the whole picture from mm. beginning to end. Um, now, if you have time, just like in our uh, our last show, we talked about how if you, if you have the time to go to seminary, if you have the resources, go. If you have the time to sit down and read the entire Bible, whether you can do it in two months mm-hmm. or 12 months, do it because it's very, very important. I wouldn't take anything from from those years as a preteen and a teenager because that's where I got my foundation from. Yeah. So, yeah, I would just say just really just read it like a book. Read it to enjoy it. Just, okay, what's going on? And then as you um, just continue to spend more time in the Word, you'll have more resources. You'll start to like listen to theologians and Mm. and different people and they can give you book resources that that can kind of help you. You can read commentaries and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, I put in the footwork as a as a young person reading through the scriptures. So now I can go back and read other books about the scriptures instead Mm. of I think a lot of people start with books about About the the scriptures. That's true. Yeah. And and so then you can get a little confused. I think that's why a lot of people can like you know, the Hebrew Israelism and stuff like that. They yeah. know enough about the Bible to, to criticize, to criticize mm-hmm. it, or they know enough to think that they know the whole thing because they've heard a few scriptures or, or read a book in the Bible. But it's right. like, you really don't know if you're not reading the whole thing. So, well, well you just brought up a good point. Um, first, we should read the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, statistics have shown 15 minutes a day in a year, you'll read the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30 minutes a day, you can read the whole Bible in six months. Hmm. An hour a day, you can read the whole Bible in three months. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yes. You can read the whole Bible in 90 days. You read an hour a day. If you read it for two hours straight a day, you can read it in 30 days. So again, it's not impossible to read the Bible, but you brought up something about the whole, uh, like cults, like the Hebrew Israelites are, are, um, for like Jehovah Witnesses mm-hmm. yeah, are yeah. because what they do is they go after certain texts and that's how actually because so many Christians don't read their Bible mm-hmm. um, they know if I point out this one text they don't know the other text exactly. around it I'm yeah. going to just point out this one text and, and I'm going to exposit mm-hmm. even though it's a wrong exposition of that text mm-hmm. exposition for those that don't understand is explaining the text Right. Uh, I'm going to exposit that one text now I don't know the other text around <laughs> it, but I'm exposing that one text. And more than likely, a person who I'm talking to don't know the other text around it either. That's true. Um, so I do think it is really important to read the whole Bible. And again, it don't take long. You could take a year, 15 minutes mm-hmm. a day. Yeah. Um, you watch more TV. Yes. <laughs> Facts. TikTok. Uh, TikTok Facts. videos. 
Be on TikTok for four, five hours. Supposed to be at work. I'll see yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a really good point. Like, like, particularly about like what you said about, um, for instance, reading the Old Testament about you know God's instantaneous judgment. People are quick to jump on that and make God out to be like a moral monster. Mm-hmm. Not having read verses before or after, you know, judgment where God is pleading with people, look, repent. Mm-hmm. I have your best interest at heart. I want to bless you. I'm eager to bless you. I'm eager to show mercy. I'm eager to do this. And his judgment was never just this arbitrary thing where he just like, you know what? I don't like you. Yeah. It was, you know, I, I, I want what's best for you. And I love you enough to say, I'm not going to allow you to go down this path that is destructive to you. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, if you pick and choose verses and and you don't understand, you know, that reading the Bible is, is a holistic thing where like you do need to take your time and read passages and not just get so fixated on certain, you know, verses that can be taken out of context very easily. Um, I think when you approach it from that perspective, your, your experience reading the Bible can be really fulfilling, really educational in a lot of ways. Yeah. And also enjoyable. Like, it, it doesn't have to be a chore, you know? So. And, and there's also, so here's an, another tip for you to help you read the Bible. So understand there's different genres in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, genres, almost like different styles of music. There's different styles of writing. Yeah. So the Bible has historical writings. That is usually the first uh, five books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, then there is poetic. Yep. That's Psalm. That's the book of that's the book of wisdom, which is uh, Psalm, Proverbs, Job, mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes, yeah. Song of Solomon. That's the five books uh, that are all poetic books. Uh, and then you have the prophetic books, which is minor prophets, uh, major prophets, major prophets, mm-hmm. um, and then you have the gospels. The gospels uh, are the four gospels of Jesus: John, Mark. Matthew and Luke, and then you have the historical book, the book facts. Yep, and they got epistles. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, Revelations is an apocalyptic book, but it could be classified classified as a prophetic book. Yeah. Um, when you understand those genres, you approach each book for what it's worth. Like when I read this, I'm reading. I, I need to read it like it's historical. Mm-hmm. When I read this, I need to read it like it's metaphorical. Um, and then when I read this, I need to read it like it's prophetic. It's pointing to something. Yeah. And the Gospels is telling us the story of someone. Yeah, good. A good practical example, and Ty, you'll get a kick out of this. <laughs> uh, Proverbs thirty-one. Oh, Con- the one that we talk about—that's only for women. Only for us, the ladies. And 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 it's 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 seen as this prescription for what you as a man need to look for in any woman that you pursue as a wife or whatever. If, if women try to live up to everything in Proverbs 31, they're going to be tired. Not tired, tired. Tired. <laughs> but, and also, Proverbs 31, men should be striving to live that way too. Yes. Ooh. And and it's if, if you don't read it from uh, the perspective of understanding a genre, which is poetry, mm-hmm. it's a poem. It, it's not meant to be this prescriptive thing. It's, it's descriptive, rather, of characteristics yes. that you know all of us should strive for it is not just to be seen in the context of what women should do in order to be more or less i guess like women don't need to look at proverbs 31 and say this is what i need to be in order to get a good christian man standard she's been used yeah it's it's just crazy to me that that people have literally built entire church cultures around that yes 
Like, you know, and even when it comes to like dating and, you know, biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, like taking taking scripture out of context can (laughs) result in a church culture that's damaging Mm -hmm. based on one or two or three verses and not even an entire discourse on it. Like the Bible does not give, for instance, you know, this uh, overt description of what your dating life should look like. (laughs) But we've taken certain scriptures like I shouldn't be looking for my Boaz. Right, exactly. <laughs> or, you know, he that findeth the wife findeth the good yeah. thing, which means that women can't look too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. is How that whole thing? <laughs> we, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Even that, you're talking about church culture and how it can impact how you study the Bible. I can't, well, not that I came up, I previously attended a church that was KJV only. And so this is something that is important when it comes to reading your Bible. Read a translation (laughs) that you can understand. understand. Yes. Okay. I... My you were thou the asses. Oh <laughs> my goodness. With the with this however and Yeah. So my parents grew up on KJV. They love KJV. And mm-hmm. so I don't know, I always felt like, man, like the KJV it just sounds so much more like sophisticated yeah. and yeah. and smart. And it's it, yeah. it just sounds better when you're uh, you know, memorizing these verses in KJV. Sure. It just it don't sound yeah, as yeah. sexy in the yeah, Holman yeah, yeah, yeah. or the NIV. Exactly. But I read the NIV as a 15-year-old and I understood. understood. <laughs> you know, trying to go back to read KJV because, oh well, this is this is God's translations of mm. venison. Or like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand what is going on yeah, here. Yeah. And then verses being in which this could get into textual criticism. Yes, yeah, let's that's, go. Let's, let's go. go. For those hold on, let me let me explain textual criticism for those who don't <laughs> understand. Textual criticism is the hard process of translating mm. the ancient text to a language that is more understandable for us now. Yes. Um, and the easiest way not to go down a complete rabbit trail <laughs> is that there are some tra- there are some uh, copies of copies of translations mm-hmm. in the older language that are older than some of the yeah. like, some of the ones mm-hmm. we we've had. So the KJV is um, based on a newer mm-hmm. copy of translations mm-hmm. where the newer translations are actually based on older yeah. copies of uh, language yeah. uh, of ancient texts. So, the manuscript is called the Texas Receptus. Texas, right? Texas Receptus yeah. and um, the Subjectugent. Subjectugent. Mm-hmm. So uh, now back to well, yeah, that became a problem because I remember, and I, if he ever hears this, Pastor, I love you. This is this is nothing personal. We're just talking about you know things I've learned over the last several years. Um, but I had my NIV Bible at church, and I think he was reading um, the story about the I don't know if the guy was a leper or he was he was lame. He was trying to get in the pool, right? Oh, yeah, he couldn't yeah, get yeah. in the pool. The, pool of Bethesda, the yep. pool that was shaken by the, the, the angels. Uh-huh. Trouble yeah, trouble in the water. Yep. I'm like, Pastor, my my Bible doesn't have that. And he's like <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you about that uh, NIV. Okay. These other translations, they just took stuff out that was yep. out of KJV. Yep. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna read KJV from now on. It's like, uh-huh. but that wasn't in the wasn't. older, the older manuscripts. Exactly. That's why it's not why it's there. Not exactly. It, it wasn't there to start with. Somebody exactly. added that. So we're gonna be like true to scripture. Listen, we gotta say, hey, if it wasn't there, I I can't for sure say that this is Bible. Mm. Now, you brought up something interesting. You said that was added as commentary into the text. Mm. Um, Now, for those who are listening, we want you to understand 
that the Bible has been translated yes. over time. And now, historically, the story has never changed. The right. stories, the things of the stories have never changed. But over time, there might be misspellings or there might mm -hmm. be variances. Mm -hmm. Variances are not contradictions. Right. Variances are basically uh, multiple people telling the same story. It gets diluted a little mm -hmm. bit over time. But the, the main point of the Bible is that the story go for yeah right so that's why we think it's important for you to read your bible and maybe read in multiple translations mm -hmm. make yeah. sure it's translations you understand <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and and if you see variances acknowledge them but realize that that doesn't mean anything the bible's been changed yeah well i think if anything variances authenticate the bible yeah you know? because if you have, for instance, like uh, Jay Warner Wallace, he wrote this book called Cold Case Christianity, mm -hmm. where he approached the Bible from the perspective of a cold case detective. You know, those of you that know what cold case detectives are, they basically take on cases that are old and that like the evidence has more or less like the trail, you know, to get the suspect that's gone cold. Um, so what they do is they take evidence, you know, they lay it out and, and they look at, you know, witness testimony and, and all these things. And they basically look to see, okay, is there enough evidence to corroborate whether or not uh, the conclusions that we're coming to are valid? And so he basically took that approach when it came to the Bible. He was like an atheist prior to that, and he came to faith approaching the Bible as a cold case detective. And like one of his main points is that, like particularly when it comes to the Gospels, for instance, the reason why you see some variances in like Matthew's account, Mark's account, Luke's account, and then John kind of being its you know own thing or whatever. But the reason why you see variances is because it's different people telling the story of Jesus from different perspectives. If all of their perspectives were uniform mm -hmm. in what they were saying, that would be grounds to be suspicious. Yeah. Because now it seems like y'all got together and rehearsed the story. Mm. Whereas, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, because they have different accounts, because they've seen things from a slightly different perspective and they highlight details that one might miss or they, mm -hmm. they, they, they don't include a detail that someone else included because they don't think it's as pertinent to mm -hmm. the, the narrative as, you know, somebody else did. Just because those are variances doesn't mean that they contradict each other. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that is why um, it's important to know your Bible, to be yeah. able to palm your Bible. In the words of um, Lombardi, when he held up a football and said, this fellas is a football. <laughs> uh, like, this is a Bible. This, is Bible. And yes, this Bible is trying to communicate something to us. That's very important. That's that's got eternal value to it. Agreed. Um, so, any other practical things you think will be helpful as people are trying to figure out how to read their Bible, what to do as they read their Bible, maybe even how to study their Bible. Well, my friend Pastor Isaiah Robertson. Come on now. He says all the time, um, scripture is best learned in community. Come yeah. on. You know, Agreed. another reason why it's important to get plugged into a local church. You don't have to do this alone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, talk to other people, especially people who are smarter than you, more learned than you. It's OK to not be the smartest person in the room. I think you learn a lot more actually when you're not. Um, so just just get around some other believers who have have studied for a while and yeah I'm, that's all I have to say yeah yeah <laughs> of course, no, that's all I have to say about that's that. all I gotta say about that <laughs> no that's a good point I mean um, even the, one of the practices we do here at City of Refuge um, we have a preaching team and the simplest way to start prepping the sermons in the sermon series is we sit around and read the Bible we read the text together 
and we discuss the text. Mm -hmm. And we use the three form um, process. You don't have to use this. I think is one of the best is observations. What is the text saying? Mm -hmm. You know, what is the just off the basis before we dive into uh, that is that's a normal occurrence in this it background. Is. So I'm just to give y'all heads up. <laughs> Yep, we we near fire high, uh, firehouse. Yes, wow, sir. you guys are really in the urban context, huh? Oh uh, yeah, we all out, we all here. <laughs> but, yeah, we uh, start off with observation. What is the text saying? Just start there, cold case. Yeah. Um, based on what the text is saying, what questions do we have from the text? And by the time we get to application, we have done quite a little bit of digging in. What does it seem is saying? How does this line up with mm -hmm. how other texts have said things? Yeah. Um, what some questions you have from the text? Because obviously, sometimes you read text like, "What did I just read?" Mm. Um, and by the end, we're thinking as a pastoral team, as a preaching team. Um, now, how does this? How does this communicate to our people? And that's I bring that up to say, reading the text in community. Yeah. helps us to see things that we just don't see on our own very true really? very true and and don't read it and say what is it saying to you <laughs> please uh, let me avoid let me help you avoid some things don't read the bible saying now how do you feel about that what is that what does that say to you ask the bible what are you saying and not just the bible but you can ask the holy spirit mm -hmm. who teaches us all things and lead us into mm -hmm. all truth mm -hmm. lord what are you saying in this right and that's why church history is important too it's important to recognize what did they believe when all this stuff got started yeah if the early church believed it and they were the ones who witnessed these things going on right. we shouldn't veer very far from what they believed very so yeah. I'll, I'll say this too like I, I think we have to we got to encourage people not to feel like God is impatient if you don't get it right away. Mm. Like God, God can handle your questions. Mm -hmm. He's big enough to handle your doubts. He's big enough to handle those moments where you're reading a passage and it shocks you and it angers you and it frustrates you. It, it's okay to have those moments. Like I feel like we as the church can do a better job of giving people space for that giving them space to wrestle with the text yeah. yes you know? like i don't think we do that enough instead we just say oh well you just don't have enough faith and mm -hmm. we give them kind of these cliche answers that really don't do them any good and if anything it really drives them away from diving deeper you know because at that point they've unearthed something that they're uncertain about and you've not given them the opportunity to be comfortable with that uncertainty in that moment like you don't have to have the answer right then and there you can seek it out and God is patient with you. He can, he can handle your uncertainty. He can handle your questions. He can handle your doubts. So, yeah, I tell people all the time, I said, the Bible is simple enough that a child can understand it, but deep enough for a whale to hide it. Hmm. That is so what, deep. That is what we have. <laughs> no and pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> and with that, um, Read your Bibles, man. Yeah. Read your Bibles. Know your Bibles for yourself. Um, and when questions arise, go to credible sources and ask questions. Yeah. First go to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. But then go to others. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think you'll you'll get a lot out of it. Or as the old slaves used to say that couldn't read. This is the talking book. Yes, sir. When I read it, it reads me. Yes, sir. So 
That's why the Bible is. Oh, Bishop. Come on now. (laughs) Hey, the Bible is definitely worth our time and our energies and our efforts. So, family, this has been fun. This has been a great discussion. Uh, We're going to go get on out here and go dive into our own Bible. (laughs) Yes, sir. And we're going to encourage you to continue to read your Bible. Once again, this is Theology on the Block, where we discuss Christian theology from our urban perspective. And we're out.